All right, if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew 13. We'll look at verses 31 through 33 this morning. Um, taking these verses slightly out of order, uh, it was a busy week this week with Presbytery on Thursday and Friday. And so uh, the, the section that follows what we talked about last week uh, really is one big section that it was too much for me to cover. So I just sort of took a little bit out of it. And uh, we're talking about that few verses, really, um, uh, verses thir- 31 to 33. So, uh, speaking of presbytery, you know, people that I haven't seen for a while, friends, family, uh, presbyters this week, uh, pastors and elders from other churches in the region, other states, uh, usually ask me, you know, something like, how you doing? How's the family? How's the church going? <laughs> How's the church doing? Uh, and I was ready to say at Presbytery, if somebody asked me that question, how's church doing? I was ready to say, Jesus is right, the kingdom is like a mustard seed, (laughs) Uh, because of this passage. Uh, But nobody asked me that, so I didn't get to use it. So, (laughs) Uh, I don't know what, you know, when people ask that question, which I get it a lot, uh, maybe you don't, but I do, Uh, it's, they're wanting an assessment they're wanting a judgment of the church. How are things going, right? Is the church doing well or is it doing poorly? And I'm not sure what kind of answer people are hoping to hear. You know, what kind of answer will make it sound like things are going really well? We're growing by leaps and bounds, record attendance, new baptisms. Our budget surplus is so huge that we're going to bring on new staff. Uh, we've got more volunteers than we know what to do with, or we were in the news for our service to the community, or we have key leaders in strategic positions in the city. Uh, Everyone who visits loves everything they hear. Music, the sermon, whatever. Uh, Churches in other parts of the world want to reproduce what we're doing. But the king knows uh, what his kingdom is like, and usually it's nothing like any of these things. And that is an encouraging thought. Uh, God's work might not look like much now. Uh, We might not even recognize how he's working But he is working, and no one can stop it, and the end result will be amazing. So let's talk about that this morning. Uh, Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, help us to believe what you have to say to us in Christ. Help us with wisdom. Give wisdom to each one of us to see how what Jesus says matters and where it applies in our lives and in our life together in the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, till it was all leavened. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So people are notoriously bad at assessing the state of what Jesus is doing in his kingdom, uh, judging uh, what constitutes uh, success in ministry. Uh, We get excited about things that have good optics, and we worry about trajectories and trends that are concerning. We should all be very concerned about these deeply concerning things. Uh, we complain about personal and relational difficulties that interrupt 
or derail us from the regular course of ministry. Anyone could look at the church or at our lives and find plenty to be concerned about, plenty to be uh, complaining about. Christians or non-Christians could look at us and say, nothing much seems to be happening here. They're not accomplishing much good in the world. But Jesus is teaching here about the nature of the kingdom of heaven. It should give us pause. It should cause us to question our own assumptions, the way that we make our assessments, uh, our judgments, our interpretations of what we think we're seeing when we look at what he's doing. We don't instinctively know how to assess what Jesus is doing in his kingdom. And Jesus says this is deliberate. The fact that we don't know exactly what he's doing and how it works all the time, that's deliberate. This is how he means it to be. His kingdom will be strange to us always a surprise to us in many ways. So he says, you know, he's in this chapter doing a lot of parables uh, that are sort of agricultural in nature, uh, but slightly different angles on certain things. So here we have another uh, where he's talking about seed. The kingdom of heaven is a grain of mustard. It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Smallest of all seeds, but biggest of all the garden plants. becomes a tree and so that uh, the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So that's a surprise. That's a super basic level that a tiny little seed like that would grow into a great big tree that was a uh, part of a flourishing ecosystem. It's a surprise that a small seed grows into a glorious plant. It's such a small seed. Insignificant, really. If you didn't know better, you'd probably mistake it for a pebble, just a piece of dust. In and of itself, you would assess that little thing to be of no value. It's not like it's a perfect microscopic miniature of the mustard plant that it's going to become. Right? Its, it's potential for growth, its vitality is not at all obvious. It doesn't look like it can do anything at all. Uh, what use could it possibly have, this little seed? Only the trained eye of the farmer would even recognize what that seed was And even the farmer only knows very basically what to do with it. Only a couple of things to do, really. You stick it in the ground and you put water on it. Uh, And somehow, inexplicably, almost like magic, from that little piece of basically nothing comes all this life and beauty, a flourishing plant that provides food and shelter and becomes part of a thriving ecosystem. So when you just look at that little seed, you don't see any of that. It might never seem like much at all until one day you look again and see something that you didn't see before and you wonder how that happened. Jesus says that his kingdom is strange like that. It, it doesn't look like much. Weak, inert, lifeless, unimpressive, but it will be, or maybe it really is, dynamic and vibrant and glorious. And you'll not necessarily understand how it got from point A to point B, how it went from seed to tree, from nothing to everything, but there's, um, there's this surprising contrast, this almost complete disconnect, really, between the seed and what it becomes, uh, between the small beginnings and the final glorious state of the kingdom. It doesn't make any apparent sense. You can't interpret the kingdom by human sight and sense alone. He means for his kingdom to be characterized by a surprising contrast between what is apparently puny at first and what will ultimately be revealed to be so glorious in the end. And then verse 33, he told him another parable, the 
The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So Christ's kingdom is characterized by uh, here, by hidden, invisible, imperceptible, yet inexorable growth. So the woman hid. That word is uh, she encrypted. She made it a secret. She made it a mystery. The, the leaven, the yeast, the starter in the flour. Lots of you have worked with, uh, you know, bread, making bread. Uh, so you know something of how that works. So you look at this thing from the outside and you're waiting for it. You know, you got to wait all day in some cases for something to go on with this, uh, <clears throat> this little lump of dough. You look at it, just a little snapshot in time, you don't see anything going on. It's just a lump. And that's how it's meant to look. That's deliberate. Just by looking at it, you're not able to tell there's much going on. External indicators are minimal. At best, uh, staring, paying close attention doesn't help. You just need to give it time. When someone asks how the lump is doing, uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> is it growing? That's kind of the wrong question. It's, it's being changed. It's being transformed invisibly, slowly from the inside out. <clears throat> but the amazing thing is, I mean, in this parable, there's a lot of flour. Three measures uh, would be enough to feed like 160 people. And just a little starter is going to change the whole thing and make it good and pleasant for food for the life of lots of people. Once it's there, uh, you can't stop it. You can't find the yeast and take it out once it's in there. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's in process. Uh, usually you can hardly even discern the growth. You can easily conclude that nothing much is happening. You can easily get discouraged. But you would be wrong to do that. In fact, it's going just according to plan. This is how his kingdom works. It's like the people of Israel in the book of Exodus, which uh, surely read about in our Old Testament reading. They, you know, they started out small, just an insignificant refugee family surviving on government support. But then they started growing yeast in the lump for 400 years. That's a long time. It says the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. That little family turned into a nation, literally. A whole nation, a whole kingdom, so to speak. Egypt saw them as a threat and tried to stop the yeast from growing, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. We don't think oppression's good for much of anything. God's kingdom thrived under the strangest conditions and nothing could stop what he was doing actively trying to stop what God was doing just made it grow faster. <laughs> so Egypt, uh, you know, made their lives bitter with hard service, ruthlessly made them work as slaves. How's the kingdom going now? How's church going? What's the assessment? What's the judgment? I mean, I'd be right there with them. I'd be prone to complain and be discouraged. But Jesus says this is exactly how his kingdom advances Later, when Moses comes as the deliverer of God's people, uh, at the end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5, he's sent by Yahweh to proclaim freedom to these slaves. 
and to perform mighty works of deliverance, he's sent as a champion to challenge and overthrow the power of his world ruler in Egypt. And what's the first thing that happens? People believe that God really is about to do something. They get excited. They throw in behind Moses. They celebrate. They worship. Moses goes to Pharaoh and proclaims the word of Yahweh, and Pharaoh laughs and lays even heavier burdens on the people. How's the kingdom going now? How's church going? That's discouraging. I mean, it's worse than just not making any sense. Uh, It's demoralizing. Imagine the confusion and the suffering. The people have gotten their hopes up. They had these wonderful expectations. And when this happened, they blamed Moses and Aaron. And then Moses turned and blamed God. He said, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me here? How is what is happening here in any way the kingdom of God advancing? This is, this is terrible. All external indicators are that God is powerless, even that God is false. But you know the rest of the story that unfolds over time. You know the end of it. That over the course of time, slowly, inexorably, powerfully, God wrenched his people out of Pharaoh's hand and he made them his own people, his own kingdom, and place them in a land of plenty and nothing could stop him because he's the king of the universe. And this is how he has chosen to work in ways that do not make much sense to us, in ways that sometimes we can't even detect or understand at all, in ways that we certainly cannot just manufacture the growth of the kingdom in these ways ourselves, all to show that to him belong the kingdom and the power and the glory. We may not know all the reasons why his kingdom is like this, but Jesus encourages us by teaching us that it's, this is what it's like. This is deliberate. This is intentional. It might not look like much, but it's there, it's growing, nothing can stop it. Even if we can't recognize what is unrecognizable in what God is doing, we can at least trust that he knows what he's doing. That he is at work in apparently insignificant, invisible, yet inevitable ways. And we see this ultimately, uh, the best version of it in the gospel, in the life and the work of the King Jesus himself. So talk about mustard seed beginnings. Uh, You could probably mistake Nazareth, uh, Jesus' hometown, for a scrap of dust, uh, for a pebble. Uh, Like his ancestor, shepherd boy, the baby of the family, David, nobody would have taken David for a king, nobody would have taken Jesus for a king either. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. He was homeless throughout much of his ministry. Uh, He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey rather than on a mighty war horse. People got pretty excited about him, even came to expect big things. Maybe maybe this one, uh, because of what he's done, what we've seen from him. Uh, maybe he can go toe-to-toe with Caesar, a new Moses, to deliver the nation, this time from the Roman Empire. But then he's just betrayed by one of his own friends, handed over to his enemies, publicly humiliated as a lesson to all the people. Let this be a lesson to you. Nailed to the cross as a fraud to die a traitor's death. How's the kingdom going now? How's the church going? It's a big old lump of dough. Every single person 
who looked on at the cross would have said, boy, that's the culmination of pretty much nothing. Nothing much going on here. Dead end. Deeply concerning times for the kingdom of heaven. Time to worry that God's plans aren't going anywhere. Time to be alarmed about trends and statistics and attendance figures and finances. But the yeast was in the lump. The king was doing his work that nobody could see until it was finished. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. A homeless guy riding on a donkey into a city full of his enemies, an outcast executed by the government, a nobody lying dead in a borrowed tomb whose resurrection changes everything. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, then it began to dawn on people. They started to understand the kingdom at work among them after the fact. Then they could look back on Jesus' kingship and say, well, yeah, we don't know quite how it got from there to here, but here it is. And they began to understand all those cryptic sayings and to be encouraged, tremendously encouraged, by the life and work and teachings and the kingdom of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Happened again uh, when John wrote his book of Revelation, the vision that the Lord had given him over uh, about the Lord's reign over heaven and earth. Uh, The crucified Lord, risen, ascended Lord Jesus, on the Father's throne, the only one worthy of all worship, the only one worthy of opening the scrolls of God's judgment. We expect big things. And when he opens the scrolls, and we see the kingdom of God in action, starting to move and unfolding, unstoppable, it, it just looks like his people suffering persecution and death. Just like he did. Before they're raised from the dead, just like he was, to rule with him. It's been revealed. It's deliberate. His kingdom is surprisingly strange and unrecognizable. People who participate in it have a hard time believing it. But here, this thing that started with Jesus calling and teaching 12 idiots from Israel has grown into a worldwide kingdom where now over 2 billion idiots from every nation name Jesus as Lord. That hasn't been a pretty process along the way, but nothing can stop it. And the crazy thing is, you know, we ignore all of this. We ignore the nature of his kingdom like none of this ever happened. Like we expect Jesus to be working differently now for some reason. Like the only things we we can recognize as success are, you know, they're quantifiable in numbers. If all you go by are the numbers, the external indicators, it looks like the kingdom of God is dead and dying. The trends are downward, all of them. Very concerning. The church has a bad reputation, being full of sinful, broken people. Of course, it has a bad reputation. The church seems to be stagnating and dwindling. It's unpersuasive. When it comes to sharing the gospel with people in our culture, it's ineffective in so many ways. Recently, pastors uh, in our presbytery have sort of raised the alarm that there don't, don't seem to be as many young men interested in ministry, becoming pastors. Statistics show fewer entering into our seminaries, fewer graduating from seminaries, fewer interested in becoming PCA ministers. In our own local church, uh, you know, we're not exactly growing by leaps and bounds. How's the kingdom going? How's church going? 
Maybe you've got family or friends that you've been praying for for years, decades. And those relationships seem to be going nowhere. They're not really responding much to the gospel, apparently. How's the kingdom going? How's the church doing? Certainly you've got areas in your life where you're plagued by sin, every one of you, and you feel like you're maybe not making much progress in holiness at all. How's the kingdom of God going? Maybe you're close to giving up on your fellow Christians because of their sins, because of their weakness. How's the kingdom of God going? Is God even at work here? The church, our ministries, our personal lives are unimpressive at best. All indicators are nothing much is happening. It's just a big lump sitting there. But that's just Jesus' strange kingdom doing what it always does. Working, growing invisibly in unrecognizable ways, but unstoppably. Jesus is making all things new. And one day you'll be able to look back and see what God has done from the branches of this great tree that's grown from this little tiny seed. Until then, until that day, you can trust what he says about how his kingdom works like this. By his blood, the king has sworn that his kingdom cannot be stopped. The king has told us that his kingdom is supposed to be this way, like a mustard seed, like a bit of leaven in a lump of dough. He told us this in order to encourage us based on the pattern that we've seen in his life, the life of the king. That's good news. Even if it's hard to perceive how he's at work in our lives or in our church right now, we can have hope, we can have peace, we can trust. He knows what he's doing, and we will be amazed when he gives us eyes to see his work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are merciful and gracious to give us your son so that we can know you and know something of what your kingdom is like. We've seen the outline of it in the shape of your son's life and death and resurrection. We're still prone to think wrongly about your kingdom, to be discouraged by what we see, to automatically look for the wrong things when we look at the church or your kingdom or our own lives. But here you've given us reason to be hopeful, even about the very fact that we cannot see what you're doing. This is how you work, and your work is good. We believe that you are at work among us, even in the troubling trends or uh, the apparent stagnation. We believe and we pray that you would help our unbelief by helping us to always look to Jesus. Help us to faithfully participate in your kingdom, to relate to you in your kingdom, to trust you and follow you. To trust you to bring about glorious results according to your own will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.